Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. I'm telling you, the more I know him, the more good he, his under, my understanding gets to how good he is. And I, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. You know, sometimes uh, we talk about worship as basically uh, bubbling over of uh, exuberant love and joy uh, towards the Lord. But the truth is that sometimes I don't feel a bubbling over. And that's when I really need to worship the most. That makes sense? You know, uh, oftentimes we have to do the opposite of what we feel like doing. And uh, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I wake up, I ain't even sure uh, <laughs> if God even likes me. You know, it's just one of those things, uh, which I know it's not true. But you know how your feelings will fight you sometimes. And sometimes circumstances and situations uh, that, that, that'll cause you to, in your soul, get down on yourself, turn inward, turn backward. And it's in those times especially that we have to turn upward. We need to turn our eyes to the Lord and look to Him. Uh, this sermon today, I've, I've got three points because that's what sermons do. And, uh, <laughs> but I need you to think about these three. Number one, worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. We're going to look in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, the, the nation of Israel has been divided into two. We have the northern tribes and the southern two tribes. And uh, the southern tribes are called Judah, the capital being Jerusalem. Uh, they had a, a king named Jehoshaphat. And in chapter 20, verse 1, it kind of tells us the, the story, the situation it happened after this that the people of Moab, the people of Ammon, and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Amen? When you do fear that's the best thing to do is seek the Lord, is turn to Him. When, when, when trouble arises and situations come up, what is the often, what's often the thing that we do is we seek every other answer out there. We, we, we turn inward, we, we, we get discouraged, we get downcast, we get angry, we get all those things. But Jehoshaphat, this king of Judah, had the appropriate response, and it said he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Fasting is a powerful, uh, a powerful thing that we do once a year, especially once a year, but even sometimes more often than that. But every January, we'll do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And there's one of the things that fasting does. Fasting is neglecting the flesh in order to gain the spiritual. And so some will put off a meal or be breakfast and spend that time with the Lord. Some will put off food altogether and, and just drink water for 21 days. And uh, it's a very powerful time. There's nothing that cleans your spiritual ears like fasting. And so if you really need to hear from the Lord, that is a powerful thing. And, and, and to get your soul sensitive to his spirit, fasting is a powerful thing to do. And so just, just think about it this way. It is not manipulating God to make him do what you want him to do, that's not fasting. We don't, we, don't, we don't manipulate God, and he don't play that game. But fasting is getting ourselves, it's, it's not getting God to bend our way, it's getting us to bend his. 
That makes sense? It's getting our flesh to submit. Because our flesh sometimes just wants to resist and fight and does not want to submit. But Jehoshaphat knew. He said, we're going to seek the Lord. We're going to fast because he needed to hear from God. And so, verse uh, 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand there is, not, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? And I love what he's doing. He's worshiping God and he is, he is reminding God as if he has a forgetfulness, not like me, he does not, but to speak back to God his character traits. To speak back to God who he is. And, and he is saying these things. This is who you are, God. And I'm trusting in you. And I put my trust and my faith in you. See, here's the thing. And this is something to, to remember. This is something that maybe you need to, to, to write on a, a note and put it on your mirror. Put it by the, uh, the speedometer in your car. Don't cover the speedometer. You need that thing. But, uh, <laughs> but this is it. The things that you focus on get bigger. The things that you focus on gets bigger. And so if we focus on our problems, if we focus on our issues, if we focus on the crisis at hand, it will get bigger. And, and, and maybe it's a medical issue. If that gains all of our attention, and then not only is it consuming our mind, but now it has a negative effect even on our body. And that stress also creates more issues with our health. But, but what you do focus on gets bigger. And so when troubles arise, if that gets all of your attention, this is going to get so big that it, all just, it just almost feels like you just can't conquer it. And so Jehoshaphat made the right move. And he said, what we're going to focus on, or rather who we're going to focus on, is the Lord. Amen. There's a, there's a passage of scripture in the Psalms that says, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. The thing about magnification, they taught me uh, at, at, uh, at elementary school, at Bel Air Elementary School here in the great city of Athens, Texas, we had two ways to magnify. We had a microscope and we had a telescope. And a microscope takes what is teeny tiny and makes it look bigger. And a telescope takes something that's big yet far away and draws it closer. When we magnify the Lord, we're taking him who is, it seems distant because all my troubles around me, he, it, se it seems like he's far away, but I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to begin to praise him and to exalt him with, with the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. I'm going to focus on the Lord. And now what seemed distant is drawing near. Amen. And he said, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you promise from his scriptures. And so Jehoshaphat knew that and he magnified the Lord. He, he exalted him. He, he is, he's proclaiming to the Lord who he is. Verse five again. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? I don't know if he's reminding God or reminding himself, but he's doing a good job. He said, this is who you are. It's who you are. You're, 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 El Elyon, God on high. And you are God over all of the hosts of heaven's armies. These are the names that we learned last week. And you, do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? 
Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it, have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, and famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for in your name is this temple, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. I love these passages of Scripture because it reminds us when, when, when people come against us, when conflicts happen, and they do, then the thing that we need to do is turn to God and remind Him of our relationship and remind us of who He is. Amen. It's a powerful thing to do. You ever had somebody treat you dirty and you want to go and just, just get right? Just get them right. You just want to. So sometimes I've shared this before on my prayer strategy. Y'all hear, ready to hear my prayer strategy? It's not, um, it's not very spiritual, but it works. <laughs> I tell them, Lord, they mistreating your baby boy. And I say, Lord, a good case of explosive diarrhea would do them some good. <laughs> And I extend mercy because I say, Lord, don't kill them, but make them wish they was dead. So <laughs> uh, I know that ain't right. But I tell you, it's kind of like some of the prayers David prayed when he's praying out to God. Lord, my enemies, Lord, my enemies. And what's he doing? He's focusing on the Lord. He's acknowledging the threat. But he's saying, I, I've handed it over to you, God. That's the key. I'm handing it over to you, God. Now that I've handed it over to you, I'm not going to stress over it anymore. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. So Jehoshaphat calls upon the Lord, hands the situation over to God, and he gets a response. Let's drop down to verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Amen. That's what, what you look at, what you focus on, gets bigger. And so they have magnified the Lord. They have focused their attention on the Lord. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and all them. All right. There's a whole lineup of big names, and I ain't saying them all. Verse 15. And he said, listen, all you of Judah... And you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. So the, the Spirit of God has spoken to the prophet, and now the prophet is speaking to the king. He said, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Amen. Amen. That is, that is so powerful. And, and, the, and the Lord has said, hey. I know that you're outnumbered in a huge way. I know that it looks hopeless. I know that it looks like you are toast. But you don't have to worry about it because I'm going to fight this one. Amen. 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 I tell you, that sometimes we, uh, we deal with conflicts that we know is actually spiritual in its origin. It's, we, we know that like, if, if there's someone and, and they're, they're acting certain ways, it's like, oh, you know, I, I think we, we have someone who is under the influence. And I hate conflict. I hate, I hate 
dealing with issues like that. So the first thing I do is I go to the Lord. And especially if I feel like someone is under the influence, I'm not talking about alcohol or drugs. I'm talking about spiritual influence. And the scriptures have already told me that I have authority over that. So I go straight to the Lord. And under the authority of Jesus Christ that he has given me as a child of God, he said I can trample serpents and scorpions under my feet. And so in spiritual matters, I go into warfare, just like what we're looking at right here. I go into warfare prayer. And, I, and it, it looks very much like what Jehoshaphat is doing. Lord, is this, are, are you not the God over all creation, uh, those of physical and spiritual? And do you not, God, rule over all demonic spirits? And am I not your child? So, Lord, I'm taking the authority that you have given me, and I'm trampling this under my foot. And I cast you out in the name of Jesus. And I do that. And you know what? That's the easiest way to handle conflict because it goes just like that. I'd rather fight a demon than a person. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It has to obey. I don't know if this is all sounds crazy to you and this might be new to you, but you need to learn spiritual warfare because it's already happening, but it's escalating. It's escalating. I've seen places around the world just blow your mind. It curled my hair. My goodness. <laughs> uh, but Jehoshaphat says, our eyes are on you, and the Spirit says, you, you got it right. And now this battle is not yours, but God's. Verse 16, tomorrow, go down against them. But wait a minute, God. You said it was yours. I thought I was just going to sit here in my prayer closet and get news of the victory that you did. He said, no, you got to show up. You got to show up. Amen. When we seek the Lord and expect and trust him to fight our fights for us, you still have to show up. You, you still have to come onto the scene. And so he said, tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Now, I'm going to tell you something. They are so outnumbered. It is just ridiculous. They're, they're going to get smashed like a bug. You know what I'm talking about. And they come down there, and he said, I want you to go out in front of them. They are having to trust God because now we have these, these mighty armies rising up. And don't you know that the, the thought was, can we really trust him? Or do I need to turn and run? But they've already heard from the Lord. When you hear from the Lord, man, it strengthens us in our spirit. If you get a word from the Lord, but you can't get a word from the Lord, I ain't saying you can't, but don't go to Facebook to get a word from the Lord. Put your face in this book to get a word from the Lord. Amen. We need to do like Jehoshaphat said. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to fast. We're going to, we're going to turn our hearts towards him. We're going to listen to him. And when you get that word from the Lord, now you've got some boldness. Now you know you've got some boldness. And so it says, uh, go down against them, verse 16. They will surely come up by the sin of this. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> I love it. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And if the Lord is with me, they, ain't, they can't. They can't stand against me. They ain't got a chance. The Lord is with you. So Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. All Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord. Doing what? Worshiping the Lord. Worship is warfare. 
Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the, uh, all those other guys stood up and praised the Lord. They stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they, as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Here's the king. This is like the, the locker room talk from the coach. Said, we're finna, we're finna go out there on the field. You be strong, courageous. Here he says to him, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets. You've heard from God. And you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army. Sound like a good plan to me. Uh, We're going to go into combat. Put in the singers. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a deal. (laughs) It's been to get ugly, man. We're outnumbered. 10 to 1, it's, it's been getting nasty. It's going to be a bloodbath. Send in the singers. <laughs> Bring out the band. Ooh, just take them up. So they send out the singers. And they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Amen. What kind of ambushes? They had to be angelic ambushes because they already said, y'all not going to have to fight. But what you are going to need to do is worship. Worship is warfare. And when it feels like the world's coming against us, when it feels like just, just drawing down within ourselves and depressed and down and out and discouraged and defeated, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Sometimes we need to do the opposite of what we feel like doing. When you feel greed start to rise up in you, you know what you ought to do? Be generous. If you feel jealousy start to rise up in you, that person that you're jealous against, you need to go and praise them, encourage them, lift them up. See, it's, it's not that they need it, you need it. You need it because there's an enemy that wants to drag your soul down and you need to fight him by doing the opposite of what he's trying to get you to do. And so when you feel like turning in on yourself, you need to turn your eyes on the Lord. Amen. Worship is warfare. I always say, praise your way through it. Whatever the issue is that's coming against you, praise your way through it. I know oftentimes we think I need to pray my way through it. But sometimes when I pray, I turn inward. Well, let me just back up and say, most all the time when I pray, I turn inward. I bring my laundry list to the Lord. Lord, fix this, heal that, bless this, help me in this situation. And so my, my focus is on my issues. But when I praise, my focus is on him. Amen? Amen. And when my, fo- my focus is on him, then I can properly pray because I'm looking to the answer of my prayers. He is the answer to my prayers. And so we see in this situation that worship is warfare. Number two, worship is work. I don't know if y'all know that, but worship is work. I know that we have an awesome praise team and we can come in and, and, and just have a good time. But when you're down in the trenches and you just feel like you're about to go under, it's time to do the work of worship. It's time to do the work of worship. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, what? Service. That's your right work. It's to present your bodies, not just your mind, not even just your heart. Present your bodies in the Lord. This is an activity. There is, there's action involved here. This is not some passive prayer where I just sit back and say, Lord, I, I need you to fight that fight for me. Because remember what does he say? You need to show up. You need to show up. And so the work of worship, it is work, but here's what we're doing in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there are three enemies of the Christian. I mention this often, and we're going to look at the three today just real briefly. Here's the three, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, I say them all the time in that order, but that ain't really a good order because let's just start with the devil. The devil is one, and we're going to look into him in just a second. You need to know who you're fighting against. The devil is one who, he, uh, he has influenced this world. So the world, the flesh, and the devil. He has influenced this world, and it harmonizes with him. And so I, I call the world Satan's network of evil schemes by which he undermines the glory of God. It's the, not just the globe, not just the physical, but the spiritual that is involved in this world. And so you have the devil and the world and then our flesh. And in neutral, our flesh will harmonize with the world and the devil. That makes sense? Your default mode, if passive and unintentional, if you're going to drift, you will drift the way of the world and the devil. That makes sense? That's why you have to take, uh, take uh, action and be purposeful. That's why the Lord says to, that you should walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because in neutral, you'll just go the way of the world. So, so this, is, this passage of scripture, do not be conformed to this world. And so, this is what that looks like. It is like something being squoze into a mold. And so, squoze is past tense for squeeze, squeeze it. And something has been squeezed, <laughs> squoze into a mold. It is outside pressure trying to push something into a form to make it look like what it wants you to look like. He said, don't you get squoze into that mold. That's, that should be a, a shirt. We need to make a shirt. Don't get squoze. <laughs> uh, and so, don't be conformed, but be transformed. What is that? It's not the outside pressure trying to pu push you into its mold. It is an inside power that from the inside out, you are transformed, not conformed, transformed. And how do we get there? Changing your mind. Well, how do I change my mind? One of the greatest ways to do it is through the work of worship. It's through the work of worship. Just like Jehoshaphat, are you not God? Can I not trust you? You are the highest of the high, and you have done it for me in the past, and I can trust you to do it for me again in the future. Amen? I say this often. Everything I've seen God do in my past prepares me for it. I've not yet seen him do in my future. And it builds my faith that I know that I can trust him. He's trustworthy. We just sang that song of how the, the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. I'm going to tell you all my life I have not been. But even when I wasn't, he says, you have an everlasting covenant. It's, done, it's not based on your faithfulness. It's based on his faithfulness. And I'm so glad of that. So it is work to worship sometimes. 
It is work. Sometimes you have to make yourself. It's not a bubbling over like we want it to be sometimes. Sometimes you got to make yourself do it. And, and just say, you know what? We're in a war right now. And my soul is fighting with the, his spirit. And I need to bring my soul into submission to him. The work of worship will get it done. Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4 we have this, this kind of a warfare happening. And you have Satan tempting Jesus. And I'm just going to look at one, and that's verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's the work of worship. Serving is worship. If you're serving the Lord with a, a heart turned towards him, it's worship. We have we have teams all over this church that have been here since 7 o'clock. People who are working the parking lots, the people who are, are working the sound and the videos and the lights and, the, and the, the instruments and the vocals. And we have people that will be here until nearly 2 o'clock. And they serve voluntarily week after week after week. How in the world can they do it with such joy? And they do. Praise God. And they do it with such joy because their work, their service is worship. Amen. And it doesn't have to be here on the property. It, it should be day in and day out. And it may be your vocational occupation that when you go to work, you go to worship. Amen. And, and, and when you worship, it changes the atmosphere around you. Praise God. And the enemy can't continue his assault Jesus says, uh-uh, Satan, away with you, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve, the work of worship. I uh, want to look a little bit at Satan before he was named Satan. His name was Lucifer. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14, it tells us what he was and what he did. He was a cherub. Now, I know that we think that's a fat little baby with wings. And by the way, it's, it's almost like, how you expect them little tiny wings to lift that fat little baby? That can't work. And what's he doing a bow anyway? So anyway, that's a Valentine's thing. That's not a biblical cherub. A biblical cherub is a fierce, angelic creature, a mighty angel. And Lucifer was the highest one. He was a, an archangel, meaning that he was a chief angel. And, and, and here's what it says of him. And you were the anointed cherub, cherub who covers. God said, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And then if we skip back over to Isaiah, it tells us further detail about him. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, the world. Everybody with me? The world. You weakened the nations. Verse 13. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will Exalt my throne above the stars of God. 
I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I know we're doing one verse at a time, so it's a little harder to recognize it. But, but in, in the written text that I have here, it says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, five times. And Satan in his self-will said, I will rise above God. I will sit on the, the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Because of this, verse 15, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest pits, lowest depths of the pit. And so here we have this angel, this, this perfect angelic being, and he was so caught up in his own perfection, he said, I think I'm better than God. And I want to rise above God. And, 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 and his, his task was the work of worship. We're told in several scriptures some indicators of, of who Satan is and what he did, and he worshiped the Lord. That was his job, was, a, was a, the chief musician. And it, and it appears in some scriptures that even his own body would, would just emit these sounds and this music out of him. He, he was beautiful to look at. He was beautiful to listen to. And, and so he was all caught up in himself, and he started saying, I will, I will, I will. Then he was cast out, but you know what? He didn't quit his job. He didn't quit about his job, but his undermining role and he continues to try and rise up above even now he wants to rise up above why in the old testament all the pagan altars were on the high places they were on the hilltops why because satan's always wanting to play king of the mountain pull you down and get on top and this is why we're all we're told all the way back in genesis chapter 3 when when satan was cursed from the beginning he said you will be trampled underfoot and then Jesus tells the disciples, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And he ain't talking about bugs and snakes, but I want to stomp on some of them too. But he, he's talking about the demonic spirits and Satan himself. But, but how do we get there? How do we get him under us instead of over us? Through the warfare of worship. Through the work of worship. I continue to remind myself of who God is and remind myself of what he has done and what he's continuing to do even today. Amen? So if worship is warfare and worship is work, why would I do it? Because number three, worship is worth it. Worship is worth it. Because it's what you were created to do. You were made for praise. It's, 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 it's what fulfills your inner being your spirit man was meant to worship and not only does it change what's going on inside of you it also changes what's going on around you amen the atmosphere shifts when we worship but how many of us when we take a blow what's the first thing we want to do it ain't worship it ain't worship but that's why it's work that's why we have to push through our emotions push through our feelings and fight this warfare of worship. Amen. Amen. Psalm 138. I love reading the Psalms. In Psalm 138, David says, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word. There's that word again, magnified. You have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out to you, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Amen. Amen. 
David said, I, I called on the Lord, and he strengthened my soul. He made me bold. He lifted me up. Verse 7, what, that he has already accomplished, he prays expecting a victory to come. That makes sense. That's why I'm saying sometimes it doesn't come out of the, a bubbling over what God has done. It comes out of an expectation of what he's about to do. That's pretty good right there. That ought to preach. So verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. David is praising the Lord. Knowing that God's fixing to do something good. Everything I've seen him done in my past prepares me for what I've not yet seen him do in my future. One, Psalm 150, we'll close. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We praise you, O oh God, for you are worthy of our praise. Let's praise him and worship him through the act of communion. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came on our behalf offering up your body to be whipped and tortured and beaten not because of anything that you did. You didn't deserve it. But you did it for us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness towards us. The chastisement for our sin was laid upon you. By your stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Lord. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you, Lord, that you didn't stop short. And you didn't just declare from heaven, but you showed up. And you followed through. And you sacrificed yourself. You've called us to be a living sacrifice. You became a dying sacrifice. You completed the mission, gave your life for ours, and you rose from the grave. Thank you, God, that through you we are saved, saved, gloriously saved. Don't have to fear hell, death, judgment. Don't have, no longer condemn, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for the covenant of salvation. You came to your own. And your own received you not, but to as many of us who have received you, to us you have given the rights to be called children of God. Thank you, God. We love you too. In Jesus' name.